The call on the ice stands. We got a goal. I'm loving these kids. I want to adopt them. How's that? I want to clean them up and raise them as my own. What's up, Squid Squad? You're listening to the Squid Pod. I'm Dan Morse. This is my brother, Jeremy. How's it going, eh? Welcome to episode 19, the Joe Sackick episode. Steve Eiserman. No, 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 no. Steve Eiserman no, no, no. episode. It's the Joe Sackick episode, clearly. The Ooh. greatest number 19. Hmm. Mm. I feel like I'm having a flashback to when we were like 10 years old, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I Steve Eiserman right. is absolutely the best player wearing number 19. That is just, mm. that's a no brainer. I don't know, man. I think Joe Sackick was better. He's got the, he's got the record most seasons as a captain, I think, for any team ever. And he is Steve Eiserman. He's Joe Sackick. You say like, I'll go get my Steve Eisman jersey. Where's your Joe Sackett jersey? You, you know what? I mm-hmm. really liked Peter Forsberg and Patrick Waugh. So exactly. sorry, Colorado had so many lovable players. Man, get out of here with that. It's Either Joe way, Sackett. Joe Sackett's the better GM, too. Oh, man. That's actually really close. Man, they're both really good GMs. <laughs> I didn't even think about the GM thing until you brought it up. Yeah, so Steve Eisenman like, was the GM of the Tampa Bay, Bay Lightning that he had a big part in who's on their roster right now. And we'll see. He's now back in Detroit. We'll see how he can how he can do there in the next five years or so. But, man, that's It's pretty crazy. cool that they're, they're, the, they're now the general managers of Detroit and Colorado. Are they both two-time cup champs? Didn't they both win the Stanley Cup twice? Oh, man, I don't know. I think so. Did the Red Wings only get that back to back, or didn't they? No, they beat Pittsburgh. They won later. Didn't they? Was... But no, that was after Eisman retired, though. Yeah, was somebody else the captain? I think so. Couldn't tell you I who. Lidstrom? Yeah, that had to be after he retired. That was, yeah, like Crosby. That was after Eisman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's Man, the Joe Sackick slash big, Steve Eisman. No, the episode. Steve Eisman slash Joe Sackick episode. <laughs> <laughs> Number 19. <laughs> anyway, welcome to episode 19. <laughs> I'm glad we can that agree. Was a rough start, we're but, we're yeah. starting this off on the right foot. All right. <laughs> Anyways, let's uh this is the Squid Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at the Squid Pod. Um we are a Kraken podcast, so we'll move on from our childish Red Wings versus <laughs> Avalanche rivalry. And let's talk about some Seattle hockey news because there has been some since the end of the season. The Kraken sure has. announced that they've hired their first two assistant coaches, Jay Leach and Paul McFarland. Jeremy, you heard of these yeah. guys? You got any, any thoughts? You know, I hadn't off the top of my head heard of him. Uh, Jay Leach, I was pretty excited when I read about him. He's been the head coach of Providence in the AHL uh, for the for the last four years, I read, and they've been pretty successful. They're the minor league team for the Boston Bruins, so people might have heard of them, hopefully. Uh, he's going to be coaching the the defense and the penalty kill because that's, that's how it works in the NHL. Usually, you know, it's not unlike the NFL with offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh you know, there's the assistant coaches, usually two of them. One usually manages the forward lines and the power play unit. One kind of helps coach the, the defensive pairs and the penalty kill unit. So uh, McFarland's going to handle the forwards and the power play. Leach will handle the D and the PK. What uh, what do you know about, you know about these guys? Uh, yeah, Jay Leach is definitely the one I'm 
really stoked about uh i i know a couple of boston fans who are familiar more familiar with uh, their ahl team than i am and they both said jay leach was just a fantastic hire one of them one person mm-hmm. i know said that he thinks jay leach would have been even better as a head coach because he's the type of guy that is just really good in the room and people love to play for like he just guys want to run through a brick wall for him so i'm really excited that he's going to be on the bench and in the locker room paul mcfarland um yeah i mean did pretty good in, in toronto he knows dave ha- he coached with dave haxall in toronto uh he got mm-hmm. to coach austin matthews on the power play they had a pretty good power play um but i mean they also had some really good forwards too so yeah. i don't know much to think about paul mcfarland don't think it's bad hire i just don't have really many thoughts on him but i'm i'm pretty stoked about the jay leach hire yeah yeah, yeah. for sure i think uh Paul McFarland, you know, it's, it's, you know, Hexel's going to bring someone he trusts, you know, it's, that's common in the coaching ranks of, uh, of any sport. Um, You know, head coach is usually, you know, he's going to bring his guy with him. Uh, I mean, even Ted Lasso brought his guy with him all the way across the pond, right? That is true. That is true. But you got to have your guy, you know, (laughs) you got to have your beard. (laughs) You got to have your beard. So, uh, so Paul McFarland there, he's there to, he's there to back up, uh, back up Haxtell. So um, especially that makes sense with Haxtell being more of a defensive minded guy too. So with him and Leach back there, I think it just further strengthens what we talked about on the last pod of, I think we're going to be a tough team to score against. I think our defense is definitely going to be the strength of this team. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, uh, if we're winning games, it's going to be fun to watch. So it's an exciting Mm -hmm. to see though, like, you know, last podcast we had a head coach talk about, now we're there starting to fill out the coaching staff already with assistant coaches. And every day we're hearing more and more news. Uh, the day we're recording this, some exciting things happened. We The preseason schedule for the Kraken got released. That's right. So there's been a lot of speculation about this too. I've heard people wondering, are they going to have the arena done in time for the preseason? And it's, well, it's all but confirmed that Climate Pledge won't quite be ready at the beginning of October. So the Kraken's three home preseason games will be played in Spokane, Everett, and Kent. So that's the home of the Spokane Chiefs, the Everett Silvertips, and the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, honestly, I think it's really cool. I, you know, I think the, I think the reasoning is that Climate Pledge isn't finished, which is a little nerve-wracking. But I wouldn't mind if they did this every year. You know, try and spread out the preseason across the state, uh, get fans from you know, everywhere. Like fans on the east side in Spokane, it's much harder for them to get to a game in Seattle. So to, to play at least one preseason game over there, they could also bring one to Tri-Cities next year. I think that would be a really cool idea just to get fans from, you know, further away interest to give them a chance to see the team. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about it? I love it, man. I, I'm with you 100%. It's, you know, as, as a season ticket holder, you know, on one hand, there's a little bit of disappointment because you want to get to a game as soon as possible, right? Yeah. Like knowing that there yep. could have been a game to go to at the end of September, you know, that's that would have been fun. But uh, <laughs> on the other hand, I've also kind of thought about the, uh, I don't want to say letdown, but just the interest, you know, I'm splitting it three ways, like we talked about. So I would have gone to one preseason game out of the three at home. And it would have mm-hmm. been weird for my first time there to see the brand new team would have been all the guys fighting for the last spot on the fourth line and the the sixth defenseman spot and who's going to be the starting AHL goalie, you know, it's like the, yeah. it's, it's, it's like football, you know, with the preseason, it's a lot of players that aren't necessarily going to be on your opening night roster. And like, you know, we're seeing Vancouver, Edmonton and Calgary, but we're probably not going to see, you know, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, you know, Matthew to Like I, you know, you don't, you don't know, there's, there's a chance you're not going to see those guys play at all. So um, 
so I think I think it's going to be awesome to have them. Don't get me wrong; like I'm not trying to downplay it. It's going to be awesome to have pro hockey played in the in in these arenas. Like all these season ticket holders get first crack. I saw Thunderbirds, Silver Tips, and Spokane uh, season ticket holders get first crack at the tickets um, for their tickets for the for the game, and then there'll be a couple thousand left. I'm sure they'll be gobbled up in five or ten minutes because that's how Seattle <laughs> that's that's how, how Seattle do does it. business. Um, <laughs> and hey, I'm going to try and jump on and see if I can get some tickets for the Everett game. Uh, I think, I think it would be fun. So I, I think it's a great idea. I think it would be awesome if they did it every year and if they could include Tri-Cities in Portland. Um, I think even better, I saw someone throw out the idea of including a, a Anchorage as well. And I think, oh, hey, yeah. rotate between those six cities, all your three preseason games. I think that would be not a bad idea at all. Have one in either Cantor Everett, one in either Spokane or Tri-Cities, and then you switch between Portland and Anchorage for the other one. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's a good way to, you know, really take over the region. And you could even move that one from Anchorage. You know, you could go have it in Montana sometimes. You could go play in Idaho, um, play in other parts of Oregon. Uh, I think it's a, uh, and there's a lot of potential for for this to become to become a thing. The the three rink rush, right? Three rink rush. That's right. They got a logo and everything. So, uh, yeah, we're on the same page then. I think this this is a this is a good idea. It's something they should do every year. Good that's idea. how I would market it. Like, yeah. It's, it's just, just trying to expand expand their crowd. I'm definitely a fan of their graphic design team too. Every logo I've seen come out, They're I've liked uh, the expansion draft logo, the three rank rush logo, obviously the team branding. Uh, I am a, I am a huge fan of, of everything they've done so far. Yeah, same. Not that we're biased or anything, but the expansion <laughs> the expansion logo is pretty pretty freaking sweet. Yeah, I've come a long way from my first reaction to being like, "What do you want the team name to be?" Anything but the Kraken. <laughs> um, I've come a long way from that. And I knew I would. I always said that. I'm like, hey, man, yeah. like if it is, though, I don't get, I'm, I'm, get me on board, right? Yeah, you get on and, board. Uh, it feels like that was so long ago when that's all we talked about was like, what's the name going to be? Dude, that was like the only question. I'm so glad that that's over with. Man, so so here's, here's, here's a question I have kind of talking, going back to the – so they'll play the preseason games in the region. It'll be awesome. I noticed it's interesting they're playing all Canadian teams, so they're definitely uh, very confident that there's going to be no issues with COVID, which I think is good that they're going to have a normal schedule next year and we're going to be back That's to, good. I assume, the, the, the original divisions and um, – They'll be playing only Canadian teams, so that's going to be interesting with them uh, going up there as well uh, for their preseason games. But I remember when Vegas came into the league, I believe it was either two or three road games they started with before their home opener. I can't remember. I I think it was three, but it might have been two. How many road games do you now anticipate the Kraken will open the season with to ensure that the home opener is at Climate Pledge Arena? Ooh, that's a – God, that's a good question. So – from what I've heard, the season's supposed to open the twelfth. I think was was the latest day That's, I heard. Yeah, and yeah the last opening night is October twelfth. Last preseason game is what the the eighth or something like that. Sounds about right. So I mean, that's a pr- they're kind of pretty close right there. So they're they're absolutely going to start on the road, right? Because if 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 they're not confident the arena is going to be done in time yeah. for preseason then uh yeah october 2nd's the last home preseason game for them october 2nd okay so that's ten, yeah. like probably about 10 days before the regular season yeah. starts so you know they'll probably start with like maybe three four i i could see maybe as many as five road games to start um yeah you know, i don't think it'll be i don't think it'll be excessive i don't think it's going to be you know 12 or 13 or anything like that you know yeah i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put my money i'm gonna say four road games to start yeah, I bet that's pretty close. I could see 
I, I would say I'd go as high as six. I don't think they'd want to go more than that. You don't want to like have too much of an imbalanced schedule right out the gates, but you also got to, you know, balance that out. Um, the only thing I can see them maybe doing is rearranging some things and maybe trying to find a way to make a road trip that was going to happen where, you know, they'll usually try and, you know, maybe play a few East Coast teams at once. So we could start maybe in the Northeast, you know, and go play the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils and the Bruins. Um, yeah. You know, play a bunch of teams over there, Buffalo, Wall, you know, there's there's five teams right there without really having to travel that all that far. You know, Pittsburgh, Philly are both, you know, over there. There's lots of teams that you can just kind of go play up there. So I could see them sending us up there to start the year. Uh, and I, I would probably go on the higher end. I would probably say four, I would guess, is the minimum. I would say four to six is my guess on how many road games I uh, I expect I expect to see them start the year with, which it's going to be fun, a little frustrating because I'm going to be dying to go to opening night. And it's I, I it's going to be like Halloween by the time that gets here. But, uh, man, when, I, when I'm watching that first preseason game on TV. Oh, it's going to be just see be like awesome. actual guys. Dude, when I see the first training camp when they're wearing their training camp sweaters, I'm going to be everything, man. Yeah. Out of my mind. Yeah. So right, many okay. firsts. Okay. Let's set the we're setting the over under on opening road games at five. I'll okay. take the under. I'll take the – we have to do and a half because five is a good number. No, you can't have five. Sorry, I set it at five. Then uh, I'll, I'll take the over. Well, I'll take six. Go. I can see six just to be safe, just to be safe, man. Like you yep. got you to gotta make sure that game – You got to. it has to be a climate pledge. It can't be anywhere else. It has got to be a climate pledge, and climate pledge you can't have greenhouse. something stupid where like the door falls off somewhere or – <laughs> gotta be at like the greenhouse that. yeah okay there yeah. we go all right so we'll probably start on the road for a few games doesn't matter no big we'll deal. To see the team on tv we'll get to hear some john forsland so and we'll still have Brown. 41 games at climate pledge arena hopefully more in the playoffs we'll mm-hmm. still get our yeah we'll get our john forsland and jt brown phil um yep. and we'll be watching pro hockey in seattle so yeah it'll be all, all right. good you mentioned playoffs speaking of playoffs we finally finished the last season without the Seattle Kraken. So let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. Tampa Bay won their second straight Stanley Cup. Andre Vasilevsky got the Conn Smythe as the uh, the MVP of the playoffs, the goalie there. First goalie, you know, in a little bit. I forget who the last one was to win it. Oh, man, I just read this too. Was it Jonathan Quick? That... No. Was Jonathan after... Quick? No, he he definitely it, uh... won it, but I, I thought there was somebody after that. Did Crawford win it for Chicago or did? I don't know. I'm going to do some live research right now. Yeah, look it up. I know this is terrible. We shouldn't just sit here and guess. We have computers. Too bad. Um, We're just keep guessing. It's probably Jonathan Quick, I bet. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> That's the first anyway. thing I said. So I prefer, I prefer it to be. So you look at you look it up. Andre Vasilevsky yeah. won it this year. It, it uh, was very Jonathan deserving. Quick, 2012. It was? It was. God, my brain, Nailed man. It. And Tim Thomas won it in 2011, <laughs> so they were back-to-back goalies. Tim Thomas, then. that was the other one, and I try to forget that one because that was when we were pretty <laughs> we were pretty in on the Canucks in those days. And that 2011 was, uh, was a tough year for Canucks fans. We don't yeah. need to revisit that one. Um, so Vasilevsky, very deserving. He had a shutout in every game that the Tampa clinched their series. Four shutouts. He had five shutouts in the playoffs, four shutouts in when they won the fourth game of each series. That is That's incredible. Cool. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a cool it's a team stat. effort, but that's incredible. And the and the final the one the final nail in the coffin was a one nothing game. So he one really, to nothing he literally game. needed the shutout to get him that cup. Yeah, yeah, no, he uh, 
he 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 was unreal. Uh, I think Nikita Kucherov led. I know by I saw like eight or nine points in the playoffs. He could have he could have easily gotten it as well. But I think you know there's going to be some hesitancy among the voters, even though the regular season has nothing to do with it. The fact that one guy was your starting goalie for the entire regular season and one guy didn't play in the regular season, like that's going to like, you know, subconsciously everyone's going to pick Vasilevsky. So it's no shock. And then Kucherov, uh, he, he also agreed with the choice as uh, if anyone didn't see this, please Google Nikita Kucherov uh, post-game press conference from the Stanley Cup. You will not regret it. He is had a few drinks. He's having a good time. And he said uh, Vasilevsky absolutely deserved to be MVP. He thought he should have won the goalie of the year trophy to Vezina. Uh, he had some funny, some funny choices of words. Yeah, he referred to uh, Mark Andre Fleury, the reigning Vezina champion, as the best goaltender, as that guy from Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he had... yeah, I'm trying to figure out how many beers he could have slammed between the time he got off the ice and the time he started that press conference. Dude, I bet that press conference is a while. I bet they're in the locker room for a while, man. Yeah. No I one's mean, gonna rush on the them ice out of for there. a while. No one's gonna, yeah. No one's gonna rush them out of there, though. And yeah. the media's not going anywhere. Like, come That's on, true. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I saw he had a great Sam time, post posted on Twitter. They were up the next morning, like when, like it looked like watching the sunrise in Tampa Bay, talking about how they hadn't slept. So, I mean, <laughs> man, they won the Stanley Cup back to back years, and you know, no matter what, I mean, we all, I mean, hey, one team's got to win, so they're all playing in the same scenario. So, last year to me is absolutely a real Stanley Cup. They played in the bubble; it's no different than anything else. Um, but people will always were always. You know, there's always those people that are going to kind of naysay because it's a different mm-hmm. kind of season because everything was different last year. And you can't deny that it was that it wasn't different. But to do back to back to just kind of put all those things to bed, I think is pretty cool for a team like that. Yeah. Did you see Barclay Goodrow actually uh, quote tweet someone about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, just, so, so don't tell me they don't they don't see that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, they see it. Yeah. That was uh, yeah, somebody, so, somebody tweeted that, you know, the bubble. Stanley Cup wasn't wasn't a real one because there's no mm-hmm. road games, no travel. It wasn't mm-hmm. as hard. Uh, and that was September of 2020 after Tampa Bay won their first one. And Barkley Goodrow yeah. tweeted and just said, how about now? <laughs> yeah. I saw that both the, the now the shortest and longest Stanley Cup drought records were both set this year. The, the shortest? Shortest because Tampa Bay only went nine months without winning Stanley Cups. True. That does make sense. And most teams have to at least go a full year. So technically it's the shortest drought while Toronto set the record for the longest since winning a Stanley Cup. So we had uh, the longest and shortest drought records both broken this year. Dual dual records. I like that. Shortest drought is the record. Back-to-back is back-to-back. But I saw someone tweet that and I was like, technically that's correct. That's pretty funny. Right. They're right. They are. They're not. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're not Ryan. So kudos to Tampa Bay. Tyler Johnson, uh, Spokane, Washington native, gets his second ring back to back, passes TJ Oshie for most in the Washington born players' history. Uh, broke the tie. Yep. So TJ's, uh, TJ's gonna have to catch him up. Um, but Tyler Johnson is definitely a, a name that we might, uh, we'll definitely hear a lot of in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. He's gonna be speculated about endlessly until the actual expansion roster drops on wednesday july 21st yeah i'm sure you're looking out for that we are less than two weeks from the expansion draft uh roster dropping yep we are less than two weeks away the the playoffs this year i think like uh the initial playoffs this year were such it was i think you kind of feel the same as me it was weird to watch because the first three rounds were amazing 
the finals were a little bit of a letdown. Everyone was excited to see Montreal and everyone kind of finally believed they could do it after they beat Vegas, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, they beat Vegas, they can beat Tampa yeah. Bay, which is totally true. You know, um, they played the series again, who knows what could happen, but it sure just looks like everything that everybody thought was going to happen. The whole playoffs, like, you know, the, the clock struck midnight on the Cinderella team and the better team just took it to them for five games. So it was kind of a little bit, a little bit disappointing to see that, but on the other hand, as a, a person just waiting for my team to like come center stage, like for the first time ever, I wasn't really sad to see the finals end. Like oh, normally I'm, it's like a little yeah. sad because yeah. I'm like, damn, no hockey for like three or four months, man. But this year I was like, Oh boy. I've never been so stoked for a season to end. Like as soon as the horn blew, I was like the NHL as it exists without Seattle is over. Yep. And at, from that moment on, the only things you're going to find on NHL Network are recaps of the finals and, you know, Tampa Bay and how good they are and can they do three-peats. And the next thing they talk about is, okay, who are they going to lose in the expansion draft? Mm-hmm. I, turned, I turned on NHL Network this morning and they were t- talking about it. Um, I saw, I forget, I forget who it was. One of the hosts on NHL Tonight was talking about it when I turned on the TV this morning. And he said, if I'm Seattle, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to say, yeah, I'll take that Tyler Johnson $5 million contract off your hands because they are still over the cap next year. But it's going to cost you a first-round pick, and I also want Eric Chernak. And I was like, whoa, Tyler Johnson a first and Eric Chernak? I'm in on that. That's that's a lot. I figured it would be Tyler Johnson and a pick. So, you know, I'm, I'm stoked, and I'm starting to think that maybe I was underestimating what they get. Yeah, dude. I mean, if you really think about it, there's no motivation for Ron Francis to take a deal that isn't really enticing. Like if they, if, yeah. they, if, if he sees a roster and he sees like they have to leave one of these guys available and I want one of these guys, like there's no reason to just be a nice guy and like make it easy for these teams to trade him and be like, I'll give you a fourth round pick to take this $5 million salary. Like it's not going to work like that. Like, the precedent's been set. Like it's, we're we're not even coming in like Vegas. We're coming in with precedent. Like this happened four years ago, and Vegas got a lot of first and second round like draft picks and trades. They 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 still that's have why they're some. so good right now. They're I think so they good have, right now because I think they have one this year from the Mark Andre Fleury trade. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could. It's yeah, that that's they'll, they'll go out three or four years. So that yeah. this is probably, but they can they they've used some of them as well to acquire. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, yep. like they've they've then been able to lure veteran free agents as well because of how good they've been. Like they've 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 managed their their assets extremely well, and that's the thing about Seattle is they don't have to hit on all the players in the expansion draft like Vegas did to have the success they do three years like like in three years right away. You know, to be like a perennial contender within the first five years of your franchise because they can get so many quality assets with just young prospects, multiple players from teams where one of them is bound to hit where they're, you know, like high draft picks that you can leverage in trades, like, and just, you know, just use the picks to fill up with good prospects. The more good prospects you have, the better chance you have, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And you can already see some of those dominoes falling too. Uh, Nashville just traded Victor Arvidsson to the Kings. Uh, And the GM openly said, I did this because we were going to have to leave him exposed and Seattle absolutely would have taken him and we didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they traded yeah. him for like basically under market value because they yeah. wanted to get something rather than nothing. 
they got so a second and a third round spots. pick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and we're seeing more. There's a, a new, a new report that the St. Louis blues star forward Vladimir Tarasenko has requested a trade from the blues, which is why he's yeah. battled some injuries, but man, when he's healthy, he is one of the like elite goal scorers in the league. So yeah. that has a that has an impact on the Kraken because I mean first of all, they could leave him unprotected and you know say Ron Francis please take Vladimir Tarasenko this is he wants a trade he wants out here you go. But why would they do that? Like they're not going to give him up for nothing. That's true. That's a good point. All right, so they you're right. So if <laughs> so they probably trade him away for something. But like it changes their whole protection list if they trade him beforehand because now you're looking at a guy like. Uh, like Sammy Blay, who mm-hmm. might have been unprotected and been, uh, you know, someone the Kraken would look at, who's now they have an extra protection slot because they traded Vladimir Tarasenko, so now that guy's protected. So yeah, Vince, you can just go ahead and lock up Vince Dunn, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the it, it's very it, it makes it really interesting with the timeline for all the teams involved because if you take on Vladimir Tarasenko, you then lose a protected spot as well. So yeah. It's like a double-edged sword where I could almost see, like, I could almost see it. I feel like it's going to be hard to move him before July 21st. Yeah, you're probably right. Just because someone's going to have to, unless unless there's going to be a a player going back to St. Louis, you know, like when, uh, when, uh, when Taylor Hall got traded for Adam Larson, like, unless there's going to be like a quality player going the other way that was going to be protected as well. And it's not, but the thing about Tarasenko is St. Louis is now stuck selling low on him because not only does now everybody know he wants out, he's had the most injury problems recently. And so it's not that he's not good and he's not worth his money when he's playing. It's is he healthy enough to stay on the ice? So all these teams are going to want to, you know, do their physicals and everything on him. I mean, I just I see it being very difficult for St. Louis to move him before July 21st. Um, but it still impacts the Kraken because. I mean, does that all of a sudden become a conversation? That has to be at least a phone call if you're St. Louis is like, hey, like, Ron, like, you're acquiring a lot of assets. Are you willing to, like, spend some immediately from, like, for Vladimir Tarasenko? Like, not that you're going into, like, looking as a buyer, but if you're Ron Francis, like, we all talk about, like, the one thing that's going to be really difficult to come by is elite goal scores. That is going to be difficult to come by in the expansion draft. And if you can acquire that, that, like, you know, there's guys like uh, like Crosby had like missed a whole year due to concussions. Crosby's had a lot of injury issues, but he has been solid for years now. Like a lot of these players, they just like get some bad luck. It's a it's a physical game, and then they come back and they can, you know. I mean, hey, it's it's a long shot. It's a long shot, but it's it's not a. I, I think there's, you know, we're I, I think we're definitely a team that would that they would at least have a that St. Louis would at least have a conversation. with. Yeah, I would agree that we are not out of the running, but uh, probably not extremely likely. But you know, it's it's, it's cool to be included. We, they, it's cool to be included, and it's cool to like chance. talk yourself into the fact of like, hey, it's like it's not the craziest scenario for us to also want to go get him. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's pretty fun thinking about Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I heard. I heard another trade rumor. Uh, Another one? Yeah, a reporter in Buffalo said that uh, he actually reported that there has been actual talks between Buffalo and Seattle about taking on forward Kyle Ocposo. 
Poso is 33 years old Oof. with, I think, a $6 million cap hit and Oof. has not been good in a couple of years. He's got two years left. And, uh, yeah, he's saying Oof. Buffalo wants to unload his contract. Oh, what? <laughs> well, I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fan. No shit. They're, they're <laughs> Buffalo. And they, I mean, like, look at that roster. Like, <laughs> I'm sure Buffalo does want to do that. And I would absolutely call Ron Francis and be like, what else do you need to take to take Kyle Poso? And so if the day comes that we see Kyle Poso's name get called, I will be excited for not what he brings to the table, but for what else that means we're getting from Buffalo. But, ooh, let me get on Twitter and find out who's coming with him. Because I would assume, you know, Buffalo's not going to want to give up a ton of draft capital. They need to rebuild. They're not going to want to give up a ton of young prospects. So maybe, I don't know, I'd assume he's coming with players, not unlike Jonathan Marksell and Riley Smith. I'm assuming he's coming with a couple buddies. Yeah, I would agree. And it honestly, it just it doesn't I'm trying to think of it from Buffalo's perspective and I can't Yeah, now I'm not excited about getting right a couple down. buddies from Buffalo. I don't need three Buffalo players on my roster. <laughs> I mean, obviously they want to get out from that contract, but it's two years left and they're just that team is 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 bad and gonna get worse when they inevitably train Jack Eichel. So I don't yeah. know why you wouldn't just eat the cap hit for the next two years when you're already bad. Because yeah. if, they, if they give them to us, they're going to have to give up prospects and draft picks, which is not what you want to do when you're rebuilding. You're trying to gain prospects and draft yeah. picks. So it makes more know. sense for you to just eat that contract and try and yeah. get them to like a, a team competing for like the last playoff spot at the deadline for cheap, you know, like yeah, try and get someone to take him on like maybe next year as contract year. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm it not was, interested. It's, it's interesting though. It's fun. It's yep. that time where we're a part of every rumor, like any player now that is on the market is immediately we are an outside chance of getting like right away. We are not, we have an outside chance at everybody that's available. It's uh we have no roster. We're, we're building from scratch and the off season is officially upon us. So anytime you see a story talked about, you, you'll hear us mentioned. It's pretty freaking cool. That's All right. Pretty freaking uh, cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about, about the 2021 season before we uh, basically wrap up the 2021 season? Put a bow on it. I mean, you know, congrats to the Lightning. There's some there's some issues with the salary cap stuff. It felt a little weird. But at the end of the day, like yeah. Stamkos and Kucherov played the whole playoffs. I forgot until I saw somebody tweet this. Stamkos had that one shift last year and he scored a goal. But like, yeah, uh, he didn't play in the playoffs. And a lot of people kind of gave him shit for it online, which again, it's I know it's super internet trolls. But like you said, you saw Barkley Gaudreau retweet that like don't tell me they don't see that don't tell me they're not like you know don't tell me that it's not frustrating to be a professional athlete and win the stanley cup and have people be like man you barely played captain <laughs> of the tampa lightning for the last however many years you know yeah uh so i think it's awesome to see him out there every game but you know doing his thing scoring goals leading his team um i'm sure he felt i'm sure he felt great getting to take the cup this year having played the whole playoffs in his hometown with fans in the stands, I bet it was pretty awesome. And for those guys to win it in an empty building to now win it at home, I thought that was pretty cool to see. Um, They were the best team. It, it was, you know, it it worked out. So the best team, the best team won the cup. Yeah, I I actually agree. I don't think the best team always does win the cup, uh, but I know you don't. It's nice that they do sometimes because then, you know, yeah. like you know, to see the team that's built, man, they're just such a deep roster. They're so good at every Dude. aspect of the game. And to see that actually stacked. pay off 
in back-to-back Stanley Cups. Got to respect it. It's cool to see, you know, the, the team you strive for. And, you know, there's a reason that you want to build your team that way. So, exactly. And kudos yeah. to Andre Vasilevsky. Like, yeah. I, I don't care what anybody says about his pads. Like, it's like, <laughs> Whatever. You you He's you fine. put on those pads then, and you go yeah. you go win the Smythe Trophy and get four shutouts and four series clinching games in the playoffs, five in total. You know, like so. Kudos to all those guys. Um, and you know, it was a it's an awesome season, man. It was such a fun yeah. season. It was it such was a fun, fun season because it was short. It's the last the, the the last season without the Kraken. It was fun to follow along and be kind of uh, in the background, lurking, so to speak. Um, kind of just taking it all in and just kind of eyeing these players over and now being very familiar with a lot of players I, I, I maybe wasn't before. I'm excited to I'm excited to build that roster. I'm excited to move on and turn the page. Can't wait. Yeah, we'll talk Can't more about wait. expansion next week, I think. Yeah, next week we'll uh yeah. we'll come at you again before the one more before the expansion draft. For let's sure. uh let's talk about I wanna I wanna kind of uh so for unwritten rules this week I kind of wanna explain to people so they can they can know if they're if they're new to hockey you know the hockey fight and like what's yes. uh what's accepted about it and when 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 you're going to see a fight okay yeah yeah so uh so so you'll see guys drop the gloves sometimes you'll see them right off the face off square off and there can be a number of reasons it happens sometimes it's you know a beef from a prior game sometimes it's a hit happened earlier in the game uh but most of the time, it's usually someone, what they say is, is they're, they're answering the bell. That's kind of like the most common thing is they're answering the bell for a dirty hit. It's usually maybe a questionable hit, maybe one that was from behind on somebody. It was, it was a dangerous hit. It was up high. It could have caught somebody in the head and elbow got up. Um, sometimes it's a clean hit. It's just on one of your really good players. And if, you know, if, if Connor McDavid gets lit up coming over the middle perfectly clean, you better be ready to fight. That's just kind of how hockey works because the game happens very fast and you don't need your star players to get hurt. You do not want them to get hurt. So you have to protect them. And it's kind of, it's a weird thing to kind of keep people honest is to know that you have to, someone's going to try and punch you in the face <laughs> and the re- no one's going to stop it. Right. Like no one's yeah. going to stop it. Like you're, you have to defend yourself. So, um, if you're at a game, like the, the reason, the main reason you'll see a fight is, is following, following a big hit. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily anybody on the ice that can answer that bell. So sometimes it is a few shifts later and the guys kind of talk about it and it's an unspoken thing. And we'll just, you know, it's a spoken thing. They'll, they'll talk about bit. it and they'll, <laughs> yeah, they'll, uh, they'll just drop the gloves right there at the faceoff. So um, a couple things though, is you, you, you don't, you don't want to fight out of your weight class, so to speak. You don't want to, you don't need a heavyweight on a little guy. You don't need to. So there's like, there's different levels to it, right? Where if like a, a, a smaller, more like less someone that doesn't get into many fights, maybe throws a questionable hit. You might not see the biggest, toughest guy come fight that guy. It might be more of a mid-level, you know. Okay. So like maybe so somebody like if, else that's. If what, five, five, nine, Brendan Gallagher accidentally you know trip someone or slew foot someone you're not going to see Zidane Chara go beat him up yeah like that's exactly right like you'll see Brad Marchand go fight him yeah you know what that I mean sense. like and, yeah. I, and like and you've seen Marchand drop the gloves but you've not seen him drop the gloves with a big huge defenseman and that's like that's that's it's just kind of a weird thing and it's not it's not totally unheard of there's uh I mean 
Ty Domi was all of five foot, what, nine or 10. Ty Domi was not a very big guy and he would fight anybody and he was crazy. And like, we saw, you know, we, we saw Paul Ferrone play for the Thunderbirds when we were younger and he was not a big guy either, but he would fight anybody. So there are, there are guys that'll, but it's like, it's a, it's a known about thing. Right. So like the weight class is almost like everyone's in a different weight class, but it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with, I guess, your size. It just has to do with like your strength and you're like really fighting experience. Some guys just drop the gloves more than others, you know, and you don't want to, like there was kind of people were upset when, uh, when Ovechkin fought Svechnikov, like they're the same size. Yeah. Like yeah. Svechnikov is every bit as big as Ovi, you know, he's every bit of it. He's, he was 19 years old. Ovechkin's in his mid thirties and Ovechkin's been around the block and he's not a huge fighter, but he's definitely been into it more than Svechnikov has. And he, not, and he knocked him out in the playoffs. He knocked him out of an entire playoff series. Yeah. So yeah, that one, there's like, yeah, that one did my, it sucked to see, but at the same time, it was like, especially kind of clearly he, he wanted, he wanted that smoke, smoke, right? He wanted the smoke. <laughs> so like if, if the 19 year old or if the younger guy is, is in some ways instigating it, then it happens. But uh, yeah, if he's happen, not, but you did, they, they don't, you don't send a big guy over to pick on the small guy. But you also saw how kind of like Rod Brindamore talked about the situation. Like there were people that were unhappy about it on Carolina's side, even especially yeah. it's almost like sometimes you want to like the veteran almost needs to like, grab him and be like, are you sure you want to do this? I don't know if you really want to do this, you know, yeah. and like, Hey, Svech, we play on team Russia together. Like, <laughs> let's take a deep breath here. You know, like, you, you know, it's, that's the weird thing about hockey fights is like, there's a lot of respect amongst the guys that drop the gloves with each other. You see lots of taps on the back when a fight's over and uh you know it's like the 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 bell has been answered you know like it's the 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 beef has been squashed like they like you 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 did something stupid you let me try to hit you in the face and whether i succeed or not has nothing to do with it that's another funny thing is like the guy can throw a dirty hit turn around beat the guy up that tries to defend his teammate and everything's over with god you know what I'm getting from this is just men are just so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when I explain it out loud, when you, when you talk I don't about think it I'm doing, loud, I'm not it, doing it. I'm not doing it. Justice, no, you're but, absolutely uh, right. You're absolutely right about everything you've said. Like this is, this is how yeah. hockey fights work. But, so. there's, but there's also like the mutual respect. Like you don't like, yeah. like it's, it's, you don't jump someone from behind, right? Like you, you, you grab them and spin them around and yeah. you like get them to agree. Like there's like, you want to go like are you ready like this is like gonna happen and like if the other guy doesn't drop his gloves you might like throw him around the ice or throw him around uh or say some stuff to him but like you know if he doesn't drop his gloves you're not gonna punch him in the face yeah if you if you're curious to know more just go watch the movie goon and watch how some of the fights start in that because it's just sean william scott just you know saying hey you want to go and then yeah you know they get in fights because <laughs> yeah. that's just how hockey works that's just that's just how it goes yep don't mind don't mind the dog in the background just chewing on the bone there but you're all good um you time. also you also don't punch after the fight is over yes all right that's what i feel like, like everybody should agree with yeah when the when the guy goes to the ice the fight's over you don't hit him when he's down you punch yeah. a guy when he's down, you're probably going to have to get another fight about that. <laughs> Somebody's going to come answer the bell, right? You got to answer the bell for your dirty, your dirty fight. 
I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like, like that's one thing. Like you'll see like when and like they also try to like, you know, it's ice and their helmet falls off. They try to like hold each other up when they fall. Yeah, we saw that in the like playoffs. The jersey, and you try yeah. to not like if if you can help, you try to make sure the other guy doesn't bash his head into the ice because that's extremely dangerous. Yeah, like, I want to punch you in no. the face. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, yeah. kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, we watched a good. Uh, we watched a good documentary, so it's fresh on my mind. Where I see a lot of enforcers talking about it. Uh, it's called Ice Guardians. It was a dangerous role, and it was a hard way to make a living, and it was terror, and it was pain, and these guys did it. Um, that was our, our movie of the week, and uh, they, the, the way they talk about it is like, yeah, like one guy said like almost exactly what you said, Reggie's like, you know, like it's, it's a weird thing because I respect this guy, and it's like, I don't want to injure you, I don't want to hurt you, but, but I want to hurt you, you know, and it's like... <laughs> It's uh, it's it's very strange to see these guys talk about it. But Ice Guardians is a good documentary if you really want to understand. I guess you know, like fighting's place in the game, and whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it shouldn't be there, it should be there. It's a very good uh, documentary that just kind of really gets into the deep dives into like with a lot of you know, sports psychologists, doctors, um, and then a lot of ex players. Uh, it really dives into fighting and. How, what is it, fight, fighting's place in the game really yeah it's fascinating and it doesn't just take into account you know the physical toll that getting punched in the face over and over again has on a guy it takes like the mental toll they talk about to, to several players there's tons of different tens of players in this movie um and they ask them about it and they're talking about you know getting on the team bus on their way to a game and they're just thinking all right who do i gotta fight tonight and some of the guys are saying how you know, it gives them anxiety just thinking about it going into it. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, yeah. they, they know that that's their job and they do it anyways. And they're in a lot of ways happy to do it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating watch. You should definitely go check it out if you're curious about not just like watching hockey fights to see guys get beat up, but like, what are these guys doing? Why do they do it? What's yeah. the reasoning? And, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them a couple of them the fascinating thing to me too is a couple of them talk about like they never really even thought the nhl was a realistic possibility until they started getting in fights and realizing how good they were at it yeah and it's interesting like they talk about too like there's like like scott parker two-time stanley cup champ with colorado like big old goatee looks like he's like you he, you would not think he was a pro hockey player just by his appearance you know mm-hmm. and he talks about like his name's on the cup in there it doesn't say doesn't say anything but his his name just like anybody else right and it's a it's kind of now in the game it's sort of different there's not specific guys that are there used to be guys that literally they were out there where if somebody did something stupid you were going to go fight them and they would play like five minutes a night like it's it's yeah it's crazy that used to, i think that's a little extreme but yeah, uh, yeah. but uh it's a poor use of roster yeah, roster space yeah i think they've all analytics i think have uh have have kind of squashed the enforcer role out of the game. That's right. You, you can either thank or blame analytics on the yes. uh, the fewer fights in the game nowadays, depending on how so, you feel about them. It's my pick this week, right? First. Uh, that is correct. Yes. Okay. Because there's so many good names in this movie that I did not realize. And so we only we decided we we're going to only do players that took interviews for the movie. So players that were on camera, spoke to the camera as a part of this documentary. There was a well long rumored cracking coach Rick Tockett. There, he was on the he was on the documentary. Uh, Jerome McGinley. 
I saw Brett and Bobby Hull both in there. Um, we saw Clark Gillies, Hockey Hall of Famer as well. Dave Semenko, Dave Schultz, uh, old-timers for one, Dave Schultz on the Boston Street, the Broad Street Bullies of Philadelphia. Dave Semenko was an enforcer on the Wayne Gretzky Oilers. George Peros, the head of uh, the very popular head of uh, NHL player safety. Everybody loves George Peros and the decisions he makes, right, Wedge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, by the way, think that's an impossible job, the head of player safety, and I – I honestly don't think he's doing as bad as everybody thinks. So there's there's a hot take that I will I will have for you. I think he sucks and he's the wrong person to do it. And I also think he's, you're right, and it is a very difficult job. And whoever it is is gonna, you know, people are just gonna tell how bad of how bad of a job they're doing. They're gonna they're gonna take heat, and I, I agree with you that he might not be the best choice for the job. I do agree with you there. Um he is a Princeton graduate. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, I, there's yeah him and uh, there was two guys in the documentary that were Princeton graduates and they talk about that where it's like yeah I'm like oh I, that's I think Kevin Westgarth is the other one but um anyway yeah so uh, there's lots of good names on here now for yeah. me personally I got four D's on my roster we only got one movie after this I got to fill this roster up I, I'm comfortable taking 13 forwards but I at least need a fifth defenseman and I'm gonna do that right here Chris mm-hmm. Chelios made an appearance in this documentary yeah. That's... Chris Chelios played for like, I think it was 86 years or something like that, right? In the NHL? <laughs> Roundabout there, yeah. Yeah, he played for like a Yarmer Yager <laughs> amount of years. Ever. I want to say the documentary said 23 or maybe even like 26 seasons. I'm looking it up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude, he played. He played for a long time. He played for he played for a long time. 26 seasons tied with Gordie Howe for the most international history. My goodness. So he's going to bring experience to my blue line. Um, I do have an old blue line. I got Slava Fatisov last week. So I got, I got a little bit of an aging blue line, but that's okay. Cause and you uh, got Rob Blake. <laughs> oh man, I do. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I took him <laughs> from the love guru. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got to we got the love guru version of Rob Blake because he uh, he played hockey and he had a speaking part, so I like spooked it. him up. But Chris Chelios, he's in this documentary. He's a he's a f- multiple time Stanley Cup champion. I think three times, maybe even more. Um, yeah, man. I also saw Gino Ajik on here. He's a, an old Canuck enforcer from the Blue Line, so I was tempted to take him. But come on, gotta go, Chelios. Got it. It's the right choice. We're going if you're going defenseman. Looking at this list, it's it's pretty clearly Chris Chelios. As far as Chelly. as far it's as Chelly turned, yeah. yeah, it's a good choice. Chris Chelios, by the way, is going to be an analyst for ESPN next year during during hockey broadcasts. Oh, that's right, he is, man. That's yeah. uh, that's gonna be yeah. That's pretty be cool to see. see. Him, Him and Mark Messier it. too. I'm yep. excited about. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are some fun former player names. All right, yeah. so you took that. Who are you going with? Uh, I've got five D myself, 12 forwards. So I need, I, what I really need is a goalie and a defenseman, but, uh, no, like you said, so you're going to be handcuffed next week. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to be rolling with 13 forwards and five D on my roster. We'll, we'll make that work because, uh, Chris Chelios just seemed like the clear choice here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, there's no goalies featured. So I I am going to switch to a forward and, uh, we're going to take a hockey hall of famer. Jerome Ginla. Oh yeah. Give him to me. Jerome Ginla is Iggy. He's so good. Yeah. He uh 
He played for the Camus Blazers when we had Tory. Yeah, I remember not liking him. <laughs> yeah, because he's Tory's agent. We were like, Tory was our guy. So, like, we were, uh, again, Lo was big and bad. And he was really good, and the Blazers were really good. And uh, that was, like, my first impressions of Jerome McGinley, too, was when he first broke into the league. I was like, man, <laughs> that guy. But, uh, no, man, he had an all long, awesome career. Yeah, yeah, mostly for the I'm Calgary surprised. Flames, yeah. I, I, I was I, I probably would have leaned to Brett Holt if I were here. He scored, uh, scored a lot of goals. I mean that you're absolutely right, but uh I don't know. I like Jerome McGinley better. I think you're leaning on Xavier Lafleur a lot and Connor Banks on your team a little too much. I don't think you got enough goal scoring. You, you tell me, Jerome. Okay, hang on a second. Jerome McGinley scored 625 career goals. That's like, a lot of goals. That's more than I expected you to say. Like it's it's a lot. Like I I'm sure. How many that, how many games so, did he play? Uh, one thousand five hundred and fifty four. So six hundred twenty five goals in fifteen hundred fifty games. Yeah. Now, uh, let's look up Brett Hole now. No, we don't need to do that. Because. Uh, <laughs> Oh, if I could type here. That might help. All right, that's a 33-goal, that's 82-game uh, pace for Jerome McGinley. So, Brett Holt played in 1,269 games, and he scored 741 goals. Whew. It's a lot of goals. Okay, yeah, so he probably scored more goals, but I just like Jerome McGinley all around better as a person and player. I don't blame you for that. It's not a so bad choice. So, Jerome McGinley is uh, – Jerome McGinley is more in keeping with the theme of the documentary anyway. Brett Hole was just kind of there to talk about the enforcer's role where Jerome McGinley was more of a, a big power forward himself. Yeah, for sure. So there we go. We have just Almost one there. more movie and we will complete a full starting lineup for our fictional a, slash non-fictional. <laughs> what a bunch of dumbasses we are. <laughs> I can't believe how many different movies we've talked about. Well, you know, I'm glad we gave up on the fictional ones and we're doing these because these are much more interesting watches. And now our rosters are hilarious with these random (laughs) professional players for no reason that we're handcuffed to choosing out of a pool of. And and (laughs) I I am curious, though, to put these rosters on the Internet and see who thinks has the better team. Yeah, we're going to do that after we after we finish up uh, next week. Um, Yes, I'm very very curious, like make our own lines. And, and put them up next to each other that way. That's probably going to be the best way to do it. Yeah, we'll split it up. I'll make my forward lines and defensive pairings. Yeah. You make yours. We'll do our lines and our starting goalies, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll yeah. post a poll on the on the Twitter account there. We'll see. We'll see what everybody thinks. It'll be fun. I feel pretty confident. Me too. Perfect. There we go. All right. Perfect. Cool. Um, let's see here. Before we get out of here, let's uh let's let's learn some new words. Let's play squid words. In case you've forgotten, here's how things work. Let's do it. All right, Jeremy, you were actually you mentioned this word uh, I think last week. Can I you did. tell me what you mean when you call somebody a pylon? I did. I hopefully Duck can keep this list this podcast. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> I called him a pylon. A pylon, it's a it's a cone, right? Pylon's another word for a cone. So like when you're a kid and you're first learning how to uh, how to basically attack like a one-on-one if you're a forward and you want to be aggressive and you want to just try and make a move basically right through the defenseman, 
they set up uh, they set up a triangle of cones and you just skate in on it over and over again and you just kind of stick handle through this triangle of cones and then there's you know a bunch of variations of drills just like that but you're using little cones that's what you're using when you're working on your stick handling drills and when you're working on making you know when you're working on your moves and so a defenseman who maybe tends to get beat more often than maybe other defensemen he could be referred to as a pylon uh, because he's just getting beat too much. He's just kind of standing there, not uh, not doing anything. Exactly. I like that. That's 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 some good chirping. That's some good chirping, right? That's some good chirping. <laughs> so, um, I have to be ready though. Like we said, we don't have a roster yet. Like Doug and Keith might be one of our you know defensemen, so I'm gonna have to eat my words here. Uh, hopefully, because I'll be rooting for him <laughs> if he's on our team. He won't be. We're good. I yeah. think we're good. I think uh, we're okay. <laughs> Dan, I got a couple uh what do you what you hear people at the game yelling uh yelling, hey stripes, or maybe uh, maybe they say hey zebra. Who are they who are they talking to? Yeah, uh I feel like if you're at the game and you hear that, you should be able to use your context clues to figure it out. But uh <laughs> you look for the only guy wearing stripes, that's the referee. Guy calling the penalties. Uh you'll often hear hey zebra, you know, you got your glasses on, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, black and white stripes looks just like mm-hmm. a zebra. So it's just just another another way to talk down to the referees who are just trying to do their job the best they can, <laughs> except in the playoffs when they're clearly not trying to do their job. <laughs> See, this is uh this is what we're trying to teach. Mainly what we're trying to teach is the proper chirps, you know? Yeah. Like, like please, like, please don't go to the game and yell up like 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 hey um hey umpire, you know. I've <laughs> you know yes. That's right. They are ref- they are referees and stripes. Z, like these are kind of you know you want you want some familiar terms. You want some good chirps. If you're going to yell something at him, you know, be clever, be funny, make me laugh because he can't hear you anyway. So yeah. he can't you're hear you, but I can't sitting next to you. So <laughs> say something funny, you know, and don't try too hard and don't do it too often. And go. I'm getting by the way, I'm going to get tickets for that every game. And if you're and I can't stress this enough, and I'll we'll talk about this multiple times when the national anthem happens. For the love of God, do you do not say fight when we get to fight. We do not do that at the no. professional hockey level. We don't need to. We don't need to chant that in the middle of the national anthem. It's so for okay. those who don't know what I'm talking about. If you go to a silver tips game during the anthem, like there's there's certain things that teams do, like a um, like a, in Vegas they already do. A, what does night. it say? They night. say nights. They all say night yeah. when the song says night. Yeah, um, I remember when the Kelowna Rockets have come to town, their fans would yell "Rockets" at the Rockets' red glare, right? And like yep. there's. You know, there's there's some fun things you can do, but when you go to a Silvertips game, they they all yell fight at what is it the perilous fight right? Yeah, they all yell uh, fight. I don't know. Yeah, it says fight in the and, song, and they all just yell it. I know. I'm, I can't even think straight right now because I already I'm already, like I'm already getting <laughs> frustrated. So, so about upset it about and, about the prospect and, like, of it. For I, I've learned to accept that since I'm at a major junior hockey game, it's acceptable and it's kind of. It's kind of funny, and it's always kind of cool when the whole crowd yells something at once. But we've talked about this before, and we'll bring it up again. We cannot have this be a thing for the Kraken. It just it can't be. Yeah, I agree. It's it's perfectly perfectly fine in the in the WHL. We uh, we don't need to be that team in the NHL. <laughs> no, that is not why we're here. We'll leave that behind. We're here to win. We're here to win hockey games and and bring that beautiful trophy home. Yeah. There's also much less fighting in the NHL, by the way, than there is in the WHL. So very true. It's just, it just so doesn't even make as much sense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's multiple multitude of reasons not to. 
There you go. We'll bring this up more often, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're just starting with that one. I'm I'm nervous because we're gonna have a preseason game in Everett now, and I'm like, oh man, I don't want people to hear it and think like that was cool. We should do that. <laughs> you know, that's like my that's like my fear. Like the first game's in Spokane, it won't happen. Yeah. Um, the uh, the third game's in Kent, it won't happen. But the second preseason game is Everett, so like there's gonna be season ticket holders there, and they're gonna yell it. They're I know they're going to. <laughs> Are you gonna? Are you gonna go to the Everett one? You're gonna try. You gotta see if you can get tickets, right? I'm like, stop! <laughs> I don't know. Maybe no. I'll bring the go. Yeah, I don't know. Make a sign. We'll see if I can even get tickets. How fast they go? We'll worry about that though yeah, when we get there. That's right. All right. Next Friday think, at noon, all tickets go on sale. That's right. Friday the sixteenth. Get your sixteenth at noon. Get your tickets for any of the three games. They'll all be on sale. You can go to the. I think uh, the Chiefs. I think the team websites and the arena yeah. websites both will have them. Yeah, I know for a fact that uh, it was Angel of the Winds Arena has mm-hmm. their website. You can buy them. And I know the Seattle Thunderbirds dot uh, com. You can buy them for Spokane. Mm-hmm. I can't recall the the website they posted, but it yeah, it was something different. But I'm sure that they have a link on the Spokane Chiefs website. Exactly. The team websites between all the teams will yeah. have a link to get tickets. So um, yeah. if you if you want to get out and try and catch it, catch a professional hockey game in late September, early October, that's it's a right. good chance to do it. Your first chance. Man. That should be fun. That was awesome. All right. Well, that about does it for episode 19. Uh, number Jeremy, 19. Number 19. Who's your favorite current number 19 in the NHL right now? Current number 19 in the NHL. There are so many good ones. There's so there many are. good that's ones. a good like, number right now. Like, uh, you know who's not number 19 right now, but uh, but I've always been a fan of is Joe Thornton, but he doesn't wear number 19 right now, but he's worn 19 before. Wait, what is he uh, wearing right now? I don't even know. I don't know. Jason, Jason Spezza has it in, in Toronto, so I think he's wearing like... Oh, okay. He's wearing a high number, like 97 or something, but... um, weird. You know, Dougie Hamilton's exciting because, you know, I'm, I'm like, have yeah. a pipe dream that we're going to somehow get him, but... Uh, <laughs> No, Nick, I got to go Nick Backstrom because I love the Capitals so much because, you know, they, they got TJ Stanley Cup. Like, they got TJ Stanley Cup, man. That's so cool. And Nick Backstrom is a huge part of that team. Like, after Alex Ovechkin, anytime you watch the Capitals broadcast, they talk about how important Backstrom is to that team, and they're 100% right. He's their first-line center. He has been for a long time. Um, I think he's – didn't he just hit 1,000 games all with the all with the team? Yeah. Yeah. 1,000 points? 1,000 games? games? It was games, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Either way. a lot. Yeah, he's played all with one one team, so I'm going to go Nick Backstrom. I think that's a great choice. Uh, I think we got to mention Matthew Kachuk on Calgary. Just a bit of a polarizing player, but uh, oh, we're exciting. We'll, one we'll get to him. We'll get to him. <laughs> we're we're going to uh, do our least favorites, right? That's just <laughs> that's a good point. All right, I, spoiler alert. My favorite is <laughs> probably Dougie Hamilton, but I also just I got to give a shout out to Barkley Goodrow, who we already talked about a smidge, yeah. just for his 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 fun tweet proving that he does in fact read our tweets so yeah yeah <laughs> good for him shout out to the stanley who's your least favorite good row who's your least favorite my least favorite oh man let me look through here honestly i don't i don't dislike any of these guys i don't know i don't dislike matthew kachek because he hasn't done anything to me and i i enjoy oh. Just wait. <laughs> we're gonna see him like we're gonna see him four or five times this year. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll change. It'll change. Is 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 that a safe bet? Is that your least favorite current number nineteen? You know, I kind of look at it. 
it, I, I respect the fact that he grew and learned from kind of he's he seems to be growing into understanding how to be a proper power forward. Whereas yeah. he came in as more of a pest type player, but he's like he's kind of too big and strong to be like a, to play like Brad Marchand, right? Like Marchand is a undersized guy, so he kind of has to play like he does to give him an edge, right? Or to like kind of you know it's how he gets how he gets himself going. Matthew yeah. Tuchuk is different; he's big and strong, and you know I feel like he's finally kind of understood that about himself. So I kind of respect it personally. I have a I have just like a I have a grudge one that doesn't make any sense. That's kind of like it's kind of like oh. a a stupid, a stupid one. I think I found Nolan it. Pat, Nolan Patrick. Oh, really? What, what's wrong with Nolan Patrick? Nolan Patrick's the reason that uh, the T-Birds did one back-to-back uh, uh, <laughs> Western Hockey League trophies uh, at Schnapp Cups because uh, he he was the captain of the Brandon Wheat Kings and, or assistant captain, I don't know. He was on the Brandon Wheat Kings and it was the year he got drafted. Uh, he was the MVP of the playoffs and it was the year they beat, they beat the Thunderbirds where they beat him like in five games and they won the first three in overtime. And it was just ridiculous. Never and, forget uh, the uh... no man. I, I I'm like that. So um, for petty reasons, I guess I would uh, I would pick Nolan Patrick. <laughs> okay, real quick, I found mine. It's it's Miko Koskinen because number nineteen is a stupid number for a goalie. Oh, great answer! It's a you terrible know what? goalie number. Man, that, yeah. I yeah, I'm, I'm I one hundred percent agree with you on that. Like done. There's lots of numbers available for goalies. They can be lots of numbers, but 19 is not one of them. It's stupid. <laughs> That's right. All right. Is we Steve Eiserman's number. We better not get Miko Koskin in the expansion draft, or I'm going to be upset. That is, that is Steve Eiserman's <laughs> number, Miko. I will find him and I'll tell him that. It's Joe Sackick's number, my favorite all time number 19. <laughs> so we both, yeah, we, I think it's pretty safe to say Eiserman and Joe Sackick, but we do have to shout out because we have been doing other sports. Yeah. Jay Buner. We both love Jay Buner too for the God. Mariners. Classic. I love that's a Jay classic Bu- number nineteen. I got I got more than one Buner buzz cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You play you play out play out this weekend. Play out the podcast on a uh, bad to the bone. That's right. <laughs> that's a good idea. All right, we'll do that. Cool. Shout out to Jay Buner. Thank you all. Shout for out listening. to Jay Buner. Thanks for listening. Right. This has been episode number nineteen of the Squid Pod. Please tune in next week. We'll talk more about the expansion draft. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm Dan. This is Jeremy. We'll uh, talk to you later. Take another crack at it. Go crack it. Now on the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round. They gazed in wide wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up, said, leave this one alone. She could tell right away that I was bad to the bone. Bad to the bone Bad to the bone Bad